This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, July 1st, first, the first day of the quarter, first day of the month. We've ended the second quarter, so we're going to get some GDP numbers on that second quarter in a week or two. It'll be interesting to see those numbers. Now, of course, this is also a short trading week because it's July 4th weekend. Uh, weekend. July 4th is on Saturday, so July 3rd, uh, everything's going to be closed. So what's interesting is, every, you know, here in California, our governor is reinstituting some more strict COVID uh, rules on certain parts of the state. I happen to live in Orange County, which we just got our restaurants back open, and now he's told them they have to close again. We're going to have so many bankruptcies in that area. We already have, and I'm sure across the country. Restaurants can't stay closed, and do you think they'll just reopen? That's not going to happen. The chain restaurants may be able to survive, but not the independents, not the small guys. They can't survive this way. Not going to happen. Anyways, it's uh, we're being forced. The movie theaters can't open. They closed all the bars again. Not that I go to bars because I don't. But you know, reinstated, reinstated, reinstated stricter rules in several counties. Not San Diego though. But you know what's really interesting is all through the San Joaquin Valley, in the middle of California, all those, all, many of those counties have been have have had a rash of increase cases. And they're not populated. It's not a very populated place. So I thought that was interesting. Orange County is. L.A. County also. So those two counties, you know, pretty pretty populated. And so is San Diego County, but they didn't have that. So I don't know where you are, but I'm just wondering how, if that's happening to you. Anyway, this crisis is continuing. There was some good news on the, uh, the uh, vaccine front today. Um, uh, Pfizer had some good news. Amgen had, uh, no, no, this Pfizer had some good news on their testing with a German company. Looked pretty pom- promising. So we'll see. Anyways, and of course, you know, it's amazing that the market has held up pretty well. You know, you got unrestrained civil disobedience out there. You got tensions between the U.S. and China still bubbling, but no one's really talking about it, but it's still there. Everybody's talking about the crisis, the COVID crisis, but there's other things going on. So, now, of course, we have the election, the big thing coming up in November. So, has the market priced in the chance of a Biden victory? Has the market priced that in? So, what if Biden wins? Will the market react severely or will it really just, you know, look at the fundamentals? I don't think the market's going to like it at all simply because Biden has said he's going to roll back those tax cuts that Trump put in a couple, three years ago or whenever he did it. Remember, the rolling back those tax cuts will hinder you know, economic activity. So I don't think the market's going to like that because he said he was going to do it. Now, will he do it? He said he was. So we got a lot of things cooking out there that, we, that the market has to think about. And that's why always a presidential election year is always volatile because there's an uncertainty who's going to be, who's going to win. Remember, the market likes certainty. It likes consistency. It likes to know what it can look forward to. 
And when you have a presidential election where there's a possibility of a change, market doesn't usually like that. And it doesn't matter if it's going to Republican or to from from Democrat or from Democrat to Republican. It doesn't like the change. Generally speaking, it does not like the change. So anyways, all that stuff going on. So on the program today, I'll do my best to provide some answers to some of your questions. Should you buy? Should you sell? Should you hold on to your stuff and just ignore all this? So you, and I know you have lots of questions about that. Well, that's what this show is for. How are you going to deal with the volatility? So we're ready to take your calls. The number is always the same, 888-99-CHART. I'm Steve Peasley, and here on Talk and at my company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California, we always operate independently. We don't use other people's thinking. We do our own research. We, do our, we buy data, but we do our own research on that data. So Justin and I are a little bit different than the regular investment advisors because we do dedicate ourselves to unbiased guidance. And we do recommend the same investment strategies for our clients as for ourselves. And we call that parallel investing. Many times over the years. Parallel investing. Okay? That means I buy the same thing for my clients as I do for myself. Same percentage, same price, same everything. All performances are the same. Okay, time to give me a call. 888-99-CHART. And in case you were wondering, yeah, we're still doing the uh, uh, no-cost, no-obligation portfolio assessments via telephone, Skype, or Jive meetings. Justin and I will be happy to look at your portfolios. you got to send them in to us. Go to investtalk.com. Send us an email. We'll look at them. Get back to you and decide, you know, give you a call. Talk about it. Or if you just want an email response, we'll do that too. My main talking point today, if you love income, you should love cash flow even more. So the promise here is that you diversify your investments. So why wouldn't you diversify how you get income from your various sources in retirement? So we're going to talk about that. It's not anything that, to me, is not anything that's ground shaking, but something that you, we need to talk about and you need to think about. Of course, I got other things to talk about. Uh, some of the things I didn't get to yesterday. Um, Gold. I wanted to talk about gold yesterday. I didn't get to it. Or how about uh, how about the best quarter in since 1987? We just finished that. Let's talk about that too. And you know, whatever is on your mind, we'll talk about. I got lots of things I'm talking about. How about the uh, Pfizer uh, drug test that just happened? You know, you know, on about the COVID virus. The 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 new vaccine they're working on. We can talk about that too. I'd be happy to talk about any of those things. So, the market today was mixed. The Dow was down 78. The Nasdaq is up 96. And the S&P was up 16. So, overall, the market was more on the upside than the downside. The big, big, giant 30 Dow stocks, they're the ones that suffered a little bit. We'll, we'll have to figure out which ones of those really took it, took it in the shit. Anyways, that's what we're going to talk about. Let's go to Gene in North Carolina. I want to talk about direct offerings. Go ahead, Gene. Yeah, thanks for taking my call, Steve. I know that initial public offering, an IPO, is, uh, is one way that company goes public, but I heard there's something called a direct of, I think it's called a direct offering that I think Spotify went through maybe a couple of years ago that it's supposed to be yes. more shareholder-friendly. Can you explain the difference? It, it, 
it is more shareholder friendly uh, because it because not quite sure exactly how it works because it's so rare, but it's not an open cry kind of situation. It's not a situation where uh, where a, a a commercial bank like Goldman Sachs or somebody else takes it public. It, it you know they it's a direct offering to different individuals and shareholders, and, and it's not on not initially traded on the exchange some way. And I'm not sure how it works. So I'll look into it, Gene. I'll look into it. And maybe I can get you an answer by the half-hour break because I'll, I'll get the definition of it, okay? Well, thanks a lot. I'll get back to you. Thanks, Gene. Appreciate the question. So I got to look up direct offerings, everybody. You're listening to Invest.com. I'm Steve Peasley. The summer is here with the 4th of July this Saturday. No doubt people across the country celebrate. You and I both know that folks want a return to normalcy. We all do. Just can't do it yet. But now we have states again deciding to shut down. Ours is one of them here in California. Uh, partially, anyways, in different counties. Remember, it's a huge state. So there's still uncertainty. And the opening is going to be like this, everybody. It's not going to be smooth. Just not. You should talk about it if you want to. Your participation is important on this show. You're part of the mix. So we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4... Two seven eight, everybody. We're going to go to Saeed in Oakland. How you doing, Saeed? Hi, thank you very much. Uh, I have a question about ARI uh, Casino. Um, it's in um, Nevada. Um, they're doing very good. You know, they're holding between forty three and forty dollars. You know, average. It keep goes up all the time and come down, uh-huh. and come back up again. And uh, now, um, it, it, I think I believe it's a good company. Maybe you can give me your opinion on this. They are buying. They are offering to buy Caesar Palace. And uh, what they said, they're going to pay $8 to Caesar Ballast shares. But now I look at Caesar Ballast, it, it says uh, uh, $12 right now a share. So I want, I want to ask you a question, you know, uh, if, the, if, the, if the share of Caesar is $12, how come they only offer 8 bucks? So can you explain that to me? Yes. Remember, when, a company, when, when you're looking at a stock price, uh, it, it, it doesn't necessarily correlate to how much the stock is really worth, okay? So the stock yeah. price can be higher or lower than what someone else perceives it to be worth. So if you're making an offer for Caesars of $8 and it's trading at $12, they obviously feel it's not worth $12, it's worth 8 Caesars will come back and say, that's ridiculous, we're not going to sell it to you. We're, our stock is worth 15 Yeah, you know, so... You know, that's how they can do it. You can offer anything for anything, right? If you want to sell your car, someone can, and it's worth $10,000 to you, someone can offer you 5000 or someone can offer you fifteen, right? I mean, that's the same thing. That doesn't mean it's going to be a deal. That doesn't mean it's going to be a deal at all. So just remember that. Just because the offering is out there doesn't mean it's going to happen. So we'll see. 
Um, it might be taken because Caesars might be in financial troubles and, and investors are ignoring the financial troubles. So that's possible, especially in this day and age with all these hotels were closed. DRI is Darden Restaurants, though. So you're not giving me the right signal, uh, right symbol, D-R-I. Is that what you gave me? Darden Restaurants? Casino Entertainment. So, anyways. D-R-I, yeah. What? E is an Edward, D- R D is, is a dog, a, R. River and, oh, E-R. And then I is an E-R. E-R. Yeah. E-R-I, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, Eldorado Restaurants, uh, Resorts, Eldorado Resorts. Yeah. Okay, owns and operates casinos in Nevada, Ohio, West Virginia, Colorado, Florida. $3.1 billion company. They don't make any money. They haven't made, they're going to lose $6 this year a share. Next year, they're going to lose 59 cents a share. So they're, they're like all the other casinos. They're hurting pretty bad. Um, and I could see certain, I could see casinos combining because the, the, the bigger they get, the safer they are to, to overcome this, uh, COVID shutdown that all the casinos are suffering under. So I can see them having putting a deal together, but, you know, it depends on, you know, how good the deal is for, for everybody else. It, 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 you know, um, I, I just don't think the deal is going to go through at that price. I, I doubt that seriously. Thanks. I appreciate the call. Let's go to Steve in California. How are you doing, Steve? Hey, I'm doing great over here in Southern California. Hey, I'd like to ask hey, you, where are you. I've been following at? a stock. It's, I've been following a stock. It's uh, ABM, oh, American Business uh, Building Maintenance. Uh-huh. And um, okay. it really looks to me like they popped up recently. Now they've fallen back a little bit. Do you see that this company still has legs to move higher? It seems like a natural company for this uh, COVID environment, a cleaning company. Janitorial. Yeah, it does. If you hold, if you hold on after the break, I got to take a quick break, and I'll I'll answer your question if you want to hold on. Uh, let me take a quick break though. On the next Invest Talk, this story: the past two quarters have seen the best and worst times for U.S. equity benchmarks. Jessica Klein will look at it. That's going to be tomorrow. For now, I'm Steve Pizza, and I'm ready to take your questions live. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. You are listening to Invest Talk. The summer is moving fast. The 4th of July is this Saturday, and on Friday the markets are closed, so we'll have an all new Best of Caller Questions program. It airs live Friday and then will be available for free download as an Invest Talk podcast. The phone lines are open now, and Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. 888-992-4278. Steve, are you still there? Yes, I am. Okay. I have a question Eight, about the ABM. I opened a little yeah. bit of it and one, uh, was wondering to see what, what kind of legs it has. I think it has more legs. I do. Uh, ABM, everybody, provides janitorial, parking, security, engineering services for commercial, industrial, and retail facilities. The reason why I think that, Steve, is because their estimates have been revised twice in the recent last 30 days upward. Up by twenty percent, their estimates for earnings next year. So I, oh, that's they're, awesome. they're, yeah. So I think that the 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 experts out there, you know, they could be wrong, of course, but the experts are saying 
this company has legs and there's more growth to come. Even though the most recent quarter, the growth, the, you know, sales sank 6%, and the quarter before that was flat, they're estimating better times to come. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, yeah, you stick with us. It hit a resistance right around $39 a share is tough resistance. It's at $35.94. It's going to go up and test that again. The more often it tests that resistance, the more likely it'll break through at some point. So I I, th- I think you stay with it. I really do, Steve. Good luck with it. I hope it works for you. ABM, everybody. Okay, um, let's go back to, uh, let's go to Anna. Anna in Fremont. Anna. Yeah. Hi, Steve. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, so you. I would like to buy uh, Avvi. Uh, so I'd like to know what's your opinion about holding this stock for long term and uh, what would be the entry point and if you can explain how you determine the price. Uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Abvi is a blue chip core holding. It is a $146 billion company, develops pharmaceutical products to treat immunology, virology, oncology, and other diseases. It's going to make $10.59, up 18% for last year to this year. Next year, it's going to go up another 14% to $12.11. It's a $99.14 stock. It hit a 52-week high today. So it's broken up above all its previous resistance levels. And now, I'm not sure where it's going to go, but if you're going to buy it, I'd probably put on some here because there's no resistance on a chart. And the numbers look pretty impressive. Sales grew uh, 5% last the previous quarter, the December quarter. Then the most recent quarter, they grew 10%. So, you know, I think it's a good stock, and it's still not that expensive. If you take the $99 price tag, or let's just call it 100 and it's going to make $12.11, so the PE is 12 That's pretty reasonable for a company paying 4.8% dividend. Real huge cash. Yeah, I like it. I thought, and other people like it too, and that's why it's at a 52-week high. Now, if you wanted to wait for a pullback, if it ever gets down into the $91, 90, 91, that's almost that's like a 10% pullback. That'd be ideal to buy it. So maybe put on half a position here and the other half when it does pull back. But what if it doesn't pull back? But odds are it'll pull back to something. Thanks for the call. It's Abby A B B V A B B V everybody Abby Inc. Okay, uh, 888-99-CHART is our no- number. Give me a call. Love to talk to you. Oh, by the way, the uh, direct public offering uh, question we had in, uh, for an IPO, IPO is, is what I thought. It was, it was the, the definition of direct public offering is an offering where the company offers its securities directly to the public without a financial institution, without a Goldman Sachs making the offering or being involved or you know, one of the other big commercial banks not involved. And that's why it's perceived to be fairer because when the big banks get involved, they just call their big clients and hope to sell it to them directly and get it done and sell all the the shares publicly. Here, if it's a direct, the company has to sell them publicly to the public. They've got to find buyers for their shares. It's kind of unusual that they they do that. Okay, cash flow. You know, the, the... the talking point, main talking point today is really about retirement cash flow. How 
do you maximize your income in retirement? The cash flow come into you. You want to make you might make sure you get different sources. Like, okay, one source is Social Security. Maybe another source is pension plan. Maybe another source is a bond paying you yields. Maybe another source is uh, is uh, dividends from stocks. Maybe another source is a reverse mortgage on your house. You know, maybe it, the, so what they're ta- the article is talking about is you've got to figure out where your cash flow and you've got to maximize it in retirement. Well, that's not an impossible tax. You just have to understand how to do it. Okay? Many people do it. They're, you know, you could do it through uh, you know, I, fixed, fixed annuity income. Problem with fixed annuities, see, there used to be 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you could buy U.S. Treasuries and get 4 to 6% 10-year Treasury yield on your money. Can't do that anymore. 10 years is half a percent. It's tough. Tough. So you got to figure it out, everybody. And we all talk about IRAs on talk, and for good reason. And, of course, you need to be smart about managing your IRA. And as we go to break, here's my two-part trivia question. How many U.S. households How many U.S. households own IRAs? And where do IRA owners invest their money? I'll have the answer after the break. Our phone number is always open, 888-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication, 
and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Steve Peasley. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. 888-992-4278. Okay, before the break, I had a trivia question. How many U.S. households own IRAs? And where do IRA owners invest their money? Okay, so we know that millions of Americans use IRAs to save for retirement. We know that. So how many really are there? Okay, there's an estimated 46.4 million U.S. households are 36% of the households owned IRAs as of mid-2019. An estimated 36 million households own traditional IRAs, making that the most common type of IRA, traditional. A uh, total of 24 million own Roth IRAs. And 7.8 million U.S. US households owned employer-sponsored IRAs, such as SEP IRAs, SAR-SEP IRAs, or simple IRAs. Most of you probably don't even know what those are. What I don't, you know, what I didn't provide and should have provided you is how many people own 401ks? How many households have 401ks? That would be interesting, too. Now, as March the 31st, as March 31st this year, an estimated 44% of IRA assets were held in mutual funds, while the remaining assets were held in brokerage accounts or managed by banks or insurance companies. Now, back in 1994, mutual fund share of IRA assets was 34%. So now it's... Uh, so now it's 44%. Not necessarily good or bad. I'd rather see them in brokerage accounts and people manage outside of But that's that's my personal opinion. Please remember that my company, KPP Financial, here in California, offers you know practical mix of strategic investment programs, and you can learn more. We we have handle we manage a lot of IRA. Just go to investtalk.com, learn more if you want. Investtalk.com. Meanwhile, let's go to Sam in San Francisco, who wants to talk about Adobe Inc. Sam. Yeah. Hi, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, you. I'd like to get your advice on Adobe. Um, what What your view is on the company? How it's going to do going forward, and uh, what would be a good entry point? Okay. Adobe Inc. provides design, imaging, publishing software for print, web, mobile, and dynamic media production. Kind of like that area. It, it's going to be strong for years and years to come. They are a $211 billion company, so it's a huge company. Uh, their earnings are going to go up 24% this year to $9.77. Next year, up another 14%. The, the COVID crisis hasn't affected them at all. Uh, sales are growing 14 to 20% every quarter. A year ago, they were growing more like 25%. But as you get bigger, you get caught in the law of large numbers. You can't keep growing like you were before. The bigger you get, it's impossible. Law of large numbers. Anyways, 
They are right near their 52-week high. They've been marching up from the low of May back in uh, March, which is uh, about $280 a share. Now they have $439 a share in three months. So is it worth it? Well, they're, it's, if they're going to make $11 and it's $439 a share, and they're going to make $11 a share, it's expensive, right? You're talking about 43, 44, 45 PE, somewhere in that range. Turner equity is huge at 39%. That's great. Cash flow is pretty strong. Uh, hardly any debt. Very good. So I, I don't know how much cash they have on hand. It's a very strong company. So where's a great entry point? Well, a great entry point would be about $385, which was the old high made in February. Now it's above that old high pretty significantly, but that old high is now support if it comes down. Um, you know, this is a tough one, just like the previous one. It's breaking up in a new 52-week high. So where do you put a stop? I mean, where do you have a buy order in here? I mean, you're you're kind of late to the party, and I don't know how long the party will go keep going. So at some time this summer, you're going to get a pullback. I would wait for that. That's what I would do, Sam. Appreciate it. Edgar, San Diego, wants to talk about Prudential. Edgar. For taking my call, I have a couple of questions about Prudential Security. First of all, it's a good time at good price at this time to get into it. And also, if the uh, dividend is sustainable. Okay. Basically, I'm buying it for income. Okay, okay. Uh, Prudential Financial Inc. offers life insurance, annuities, mutual funds, and retirement products in the U.S., Europe, and Asia. And also all kinds of insurance products. A lot. They, you know, uh, they're going to sell their life insurance company to KB Financial, which is a Korean company, for like $2 billion. It's a $23 billion company. So it looks like they're moving away from insurance and more to the financial industry area. Uh, sales every quarter have been coming down slowly, 2 to 5% or so. <clears throat> they're going to make $9.23 this year, down from $11.69 last year. Next year, they're going to rebound to uh, $11.49. Uh, the dividend is 7.5%. Can they maintain that? What's your question? It's a $58.93 stock. To pay seven and a half percent, they gotta make that okay. They easily cover that with their earnings. Easily cover that with their earnings. So I don't think their earnings is the uh, the dividend is in jeopardy of being cut. I mean a ten percent dividend, remember they're paying seven and a half, is five dollars and eighty nine cents based on the stock price today, and they're gonna make nine dollars and twenty three cents this year. And $11 next year. So I don't think the dividend is in any danger, even though sales have been falling a little. They got So this is a good price to pick it up. $58.93. It's right. Okay, so that's the $50 point. That's the $50. Uh, um, a 50, it's at the 50 50-day 50 moving average, and I think that's a good buy point. Okay. Uh, talking point. Okay. Um, Gold. I wanted to talk about gold yesterday. I never got to it. Is it too late? Well, did you see how it moved down today? Had a big down day today. 
Well, I look at that as an opportunity. I don't know how many, because gold has been moving up and up and up, had a great quarter. So it had it moved down, but by the end of the day, it made up a lot of the down movement. So it's near its 52-week high. Yesterday, it was a 52-week high. So I, I think it's like, I think it's got more room to go up. You know, uh, it's selling for what? Uh, forget about $1,700 an ounce. Okay, the August contract is $1,800.50 an ounce. So it's anticipating being higher in August. So weakened dollar helps that gold with all the money the Federal Reserve and the government is spending that helps gold. You know, all this on, on COVID-19 and China, U.S. trade tensions, all that is helpful to gold. I still think it's got a ways to go. Okay. Okay. Do we have uh, Brian? Or do I go to Brian? Let's go to Brian in San Mateo. Brian. How are you this afternoon? I am good. I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've uh, been looking at CME lately, and it looks like it's made a nice pullback and is uh, starting to head higher. And I want to get your ideas on that. It had a big day today, up almost four percent today. So that that that's a pretty pretty strong indication of reversal. What I like about today is that three days ago it had a big down day, and this is an engulfing reversal, meaning it went all the way up higher than the high point of that big down day two day, two three days ago. That's that's a kind of a positive. Uh, chart reading. That's kind of a positive thing. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go up, but it's a positive thing. Operates, uh, this is CME Group, operates four futures exchanges for the trading of benchmark products across major asset classes. So it's exchange, a futures exchange. Okay, they have made money, they make money every year, and their income goes up. This year is going to be $7.49 a share. Next year, they say $7.43. So this is the first time in a while. Well, actually, it was kind of even the last two years. So, I mean, five years ago, six years ago, they're making $4. So their their earnings have been kind of on an upward, upward trajectory. So that's still good. Sales up 29% in the March quarter. Down 8% a quarter before that. That was the first down quarter they had in two years. But, you know, it's $168 stock, going to make $7.43 next year. So, you know, is that cheap? No. It was a 22, 23 PE. That's about right in the mid-range. Return on equity is 9%, which is kind of low. Cash flow is strong, pays a 2% dividend. Uh I don't think it's an outstanding buy, Ryan, uh, Brian, but it's a good, solid company, $60 billion company. If it paid a higher dividend, I'd feel better, but it only pays 2%. That, that doesn't really. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just so-so on this one. It's not, it doesn't, doesn't ring my bell. Brian, good luck with it if you buy it. Thank you for the call. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and yes, the economy is reopening in phases, and yes, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Okay, it's going to be, you know, it's going to, it's going to initially give us a pretty strong up move in economic activity. We know that. We see that. Okay, that's going to come, but there's going to be bumps along the road. 
What about all this, you know, today, you know, the last week or two, there's been an uptick in viruses. I have no idea why that uptick, other than we're reopening and you should have been expecting it, should be expected. And I think everybody has. And, of course, the civil unrest people who don't seem to be paying much attention to social distancing rules might be part of the reason of a spike up. I don't know. You know, I don't know if anybody knows. But you still have you, your retirement objectives do not change just because of all this stuff going on. This too shall pass, everybody. So how do you maximize your retirement? You gotta keep growing your portfolio, no matter what. You gotta keep putting money in it. You gotta keep putting uh, in, uh, putting money in your four hundred one k, your IRAs. Keep at it. Pay down your mortgage. You keep at it. You refinance for cheaper, but keep paying it down too. So don't take a lot of money out and go spend it. You, you know, remember, retirement is not that far away. It comes around pretty fast. So it doesn't matter if you're conservative or and getting close to retirement or just a younger worker. It doesn't matter if you want to be aggressive. You still have the same goals, financial freedom. Got to manage the risk to get there. So now we'd be happy to help you. That's what we're here for. You can call or send a message through our investtalk.com. Call our office in Irvine, California. For now, while we're doing the uh, podcast radio show, why don't you give me, we're live, why don't you give me a call? 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. You are listening to Invest Talk. We have good news. Steve and Justin have recorded an all-new Rapid Fire Hour. It's a free podcast download, and you'll hear answers to 30 caller questions. You still get unbiased answers, but the show moves along at a faster pace. You can find it now for free at investtalk.com, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Search Invest Talk June Bonus Show. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls. The Anytime Listener line is open, 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. I have a question about return on equity and return on invested capital. I was wondering what the numerator is in that ratio. Is it net income or EBIT or EBITDA? Or does it depend on what type of industry? All right. Thanks so much. I look forward to hearing the answer on the podcast. Okay. Return on equity. Just so you all know out there, if you ever want to get a definition of something, you don't have to. You don't have to guess. It's pretty simple. Uh, you just go to you go to uh, investopedia.com. Type in what you type in. There's a query question. Return on equity. Okay, what does it mean? What is, what is return of equity? Return of equity definition, look up results, you know, you can find it. Um, so it, the definition of return of equity is a measure of financial performance calculated by dividing net income, net income after all taxes, after all expenses, by shareholders' equity. Because shareholders' equity is equal to the company's assets minus its debt, ROE could be thought of as a return on net assets. So anytime you have a question about a terminology, Investopedia is great. And, you know, they'll give you examples. You know, they'll, they'll keep explaining until you get it. Okay? So I really do invest, uh, recommend Investopedia.com for any definitions. And they also have tutorials on there. It's a really good website for you know, uh, for anybody who needs some help on some of those, what those uh, different terminology might mean. There's lots of terminology in this industry. 
tons of it. So it takes a while <laughs> to learn it all. And you know what? My problem is there's so much of it, and I, I just, I don't, I couldn't give you the definition. I just know how to use it. Because I learned definition years and years and years and years and years ago. I just use it. So when someone asks me, what's the definition? Well, I can tell you. Well, it's, 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 uh, you know, <laughs> return on equity is how much money you get on the shareholder, you know, value that you have and how much it's earning and percent wise. But you want official definitions, not what I put in my This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. And of course, we have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. Of course, the work will continue after this break. So get your questions in now. 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, the past two quarters have seen the best and worst of times for U.S. equity benchmarks. Justin Klein breaks down the story tomorrow. But now Steve Peasley is here. He's got unbiased answers, but you've got to call Invest Talk 888 99Chart. Hey guys, great podcast. Love listening. Quick question for you with the social unrest going on right now and possibly the defunding of police in larger cities. What do you think of SWBI? You know, I know it's gone up recently, and, and I think uh, just nervous public out there, uh, more people are starting to think about getting into firearms. So, I don't know. It might be a good play long term. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. So, SWBI, is Smith & Wesson brands, makes and manufactures firearms, revolvers, pistols, rifles, firearm-related products and accessories. It's a $1.2 billion company, and it's moved from – you know, the low uh, during the March low was below six, and today is twenty one ninety five. New fifty two week high. I might you might be a little late to the party. Uh, earnings are going to go up. Sales were up in the April quarter, thirty three percent, biggest sales growth they've had in a long time, and I'm pretty sure they're still growing pretty fast. So, you know, with the civil unrest this stock has shot up. What happens if that civil unrest calms down? Then what? Do you think it's going to continue into next year? I, I don't think so. I, I really think there'll be a calming, you know, because, you know, look at Seattle yesterday. They, you know, when, when the governor's house was uh, picketed or whatever you want to call it, all of a sudden, and, and of course, she will say it was also the death of that 13-year-old that they I think it was 13-year-old that died with gunshot wounds so they couldn't get, police couldn't get in because of all those barricades. Gee, I don't know why you didn't think of that before. Of course there's going to be problems like that if the police can't get in there or, or the fire department or the paramedics because all the roads are blocked off. Yeah, there's crime in there and you know there's going to be, but that's a whole nother issue. Uh, but what it does, it makes people nervous. And that's why they go out and buy guns protect their own properties. I think that that scenario is going to continue. But I don't think the unrest is going to be nearly as aggressive six months from now as it is right now. So will the stock price of Smith & Wesson keep going up like it has? I doubt it, seriously. It's going up way too fast in a very short period of time. Uh, I can't see it sustaining this for much longer. I can't. I, I think you're a little late to the party, though. So. 
SWBI, everybody. SWBI. Smith & Wesson. <clears throat> okay, we've had the best quarter. We, meaning the stock market, the, uh, the S&P 500, had the best quarter since 1987, up 20% for the quarter. Now, try to remember, the market ended down right at the end of last quarter. I mean, it fell 35-plus percent, right? So now the, this quarter started up that just passed right then. And they had so it had all three months to try to make a comeback, which is kind of unusual. Usually, markets don't have a bottom right at the end of the quarter. Somewhere during the quarter, they do. But this was the fourth best quarter since 1950. In all four quarters, all four times that has been since uh, the 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 following quarter has an average increase of eight percent. So don't think that because this quarter was so good, we won't have another good quarter. That's not you don't make that conclusion. That's not something you conclude. Year over year, nine of the last ten best quarters. Year over year later, the market was higher. Nine out of ten times. The only exception was in 1987. So also the full year will be higher as well after the best quarter. So don't I just don't want you to assume that the market's gone very, very well. It's probably going to come down now. No, not necessarily. Now these are not a lot of data points to rely on. Okay, so doesn't mean it's going to happen this time, right? It does not. But it's indicative indicative of what should happen. So don't so don't be paranoid that it, oh, it's going to go down. I think the market's going to be choppy. It's going to be volatile. But I don't think it's going to be down. I think a year from now it'll be up. I'm Steve Peasley. Thank you for listening, everybody. The 4th of July is this Saturday. So we have prepared an all-new Best of Investor podcast for Friday. That's the holiday. And please tell your friends we have posted a new June bonus show. Justin and I answer 30 caller questions in a pretty fast pace. Thank you. Enjoy it. It can be downloaded now for free at investtalk.com, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Justin will be here live tomorrow. Then enjoy the long weekend. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.